Father, we just, uh, uh, just from hearing all the different praise items and prayer requests, Lord, we, we thank you that you are a God who hears us, that you hear our prayers and you answer them. You are the God whom we can look to in our time of need. You are our hope, the one in whom our hope is securely found. It's you. You are our strong tower, our foundation, our everything. We give glory to you. It's all for you. God, I ask for your spirit to come in greater measure over this congregation. We want to represent you well. We want the world to know that you are God and there is no other. You are the hope of the world. Help us to be that light. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we are, um, we're on a series right now called Discovering Trinity, and it's really good to review uh, from time to time why we're here, right? Who we are and why we're here. And, and uh, last week we talked about um, how we believe here at Trinity that revival is coming. We, we're really passionate to see revival We want to see God's people being restored, revived, and released to bring the kingdom of God. We are so passionate to see that. And um, last week, we were talking about the three words that describe Trinity. And these three words have been a part of our congregation for many years. PTL, prayer, truth, love. It's also praise the Lord, eh? That's pretty cool. PTL, prayer, truth, and love. Last week, we talked about the importance of prayer. Uh, to see revival coming. And so we are a church that is passionate about prayer. Um, We pray for each other. We pray for one another. And as a body, we pray, let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And uh, this week, we're going to talk about the second word, which is truth. Uh, It's absolutely important that we as a church understand truth. And so today's sermon, for many, many of us here, it will be a review. It'll be just, um, yeah, like a review. And so there's going to be a lot. I'm going to be saying quite a lot, so I hope I don't lose you. But uh, again, it'll be a review. And we're going to start by asking the question, what is truth? What is truth? Pontius Pilate was the governor of Judea in the time of Jesus, And he asked Jesus that same question, right? So in John chapter 18, Pilate is having a conversation with Jesus, and and Pilate's like, so uh, Jesus, you're the king of the Jews, eh? Apparently, uh, Pilate was Canadian. (laughs) I have to put in our dialect in there, you know what I'm saying? So Pilate is like, Jesus, so you're the king of the Jews. And Jesus answers by saying, my kingdom is not of this world, My kingdom is not of this world, and for this reason, I came to bear witness to the truth. And then Pilate says, what is truth? Now, unfortunately, Jesus doesn't answer that question. I mean, he doesn't even say, what is truth? You can't handle the truth. (laughs) Anyone remember what movie that's from? Anyone remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Jack Nicholson, good stuff. Uh, He didn't even answer, right? But I believe the answer was in the conversation. And the conversation was about the kingdom. 
Jesus came to bear witness to the truth, the truth of the kingdom of God. Now, for the Jewish people in Jesus' day, in many circles even today, the kingdom of God is the pinnacle of their beliefs. It's everything they look forward to. In the first century, at the time of Jesus, the people, the Jews, the Pharisees, maybe not so much the Sadducees, but the Pharisees, and they were seeking the kingdom of God. They were just desperately seeking the kingdom. Even before the time of Jesus, just after the last book was written in the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, and the first book in the New Testament was written, in between that time, that's about 400 years, the intertestamental period, 400 years. In that time, some people think it's a silent period, there was, you know, but actually there was a lot going on there. And, and the story of the Jewish people was the story of them pursuing the kingdom of God. It was everything. What are you talking about, James? What is the kingdom of God? Well, in short, the kingdom of God is God's rule and reign here on earth. God's ways are here, and there's nothing else. That's the kingdom of God. God's the boss. He's in charge, and there's nothing else. This age of sin, death, and evil is no more. It's done. No more pain, no more suffering, no more tears. It's all God and righteousness and peace and joy. That's the kingdom of God. That is what it's all about. That was the hope of the Jewish people. That was the hope when Jesus entered the picture some 2,000 years ago. And he came with a message the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is near. It's within our grasp. It's close. He even said the kingdom of God is upon you. And so you can imagine for the Jewish people, this was huge, huge what Jesus was saying. Why was this so important? Why was this message so important for the Jewish people? And for us today, why? Well, in order to answer that, we need to get a fuller picture. So we need to go back to the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, okay? So I hope you're going to follow me through this. Genesis 1, God created the heavens and the earth. He created light. He separated day and night. He created the, uh, he separated the waters, right? The seas and the sky. He created land. He created the fish that swim in the ocean and the seas. He created the birds that fly in the heavens. He created the beasts of the field, all the plants and vegetation and seed-bearing trees and stuff like that. God created all that. And then God does something unique on the sixth day. He creates Adam. Everyone say Adam. Okay. Adam. Adam. In Hebrew, that means mankind, humanity, human beings. God created us. He created man. He created woman. 
And the Bible says that he created humankind in his image, in his likeness. God created us unique from the rest of creation. Why were we unique? Well, Genesis chapter 1, 28 says this. And God blessed them, that is man, Adam. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Isn't that interesting? You know what the word subdue means? To tame, to discipline. I have to subdue my dog, okay? Because if I don't, she'll bite my kids. She's wild. (laughs) What can I bite? What can I bite? Right? I have to subdue her and tame her. Isn't that interesting that the second command that God gives after be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, is you must subdue it. It's almost a prophetic word saying there's a snake coming. Okay? And so... God created us to fill the earth, to have dominion over the sea, fish of the seas, the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. We were created in the image of God and his likeness in order to have dominion over the rest of creation. That is how we are like God. And we have dominion with him, with God. If you read Genesis 2 and the creation story in Genesis 2, I I see that the theme of Genesis 2 is intimacy, togetherness with God, with one another, right? It talks about God coming and breathing in the nostrils of Adam, right? The breath of life. You got to be this close. God is this close to us, right? It's talking about intimacy and union with God. That's how we are called to rule and have dominion. But then we come to Genesis 3, And it just gets all messed up, right? The serpent comes, tempts Eve. Eve and Adam, Adam and Eve, disobey the command of God not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so that act of disobedience caused the fall of humanity. Genesis 3.24 says, He drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim in a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Humanity was banished from Eden. The word Eden means blissful, delightful. That's why we named our daughter Eden, because she is very much a blissful, delightful person. And so Eden, the Garden of Eden, represents blissful, delightful union with God. And that was severed. And that ushered in this present evil age in which we live today, where sin, death, and evil, destruction, is a part of the human condition. That is why we see all the turmoil that we see, all the pain that we see, all the disharmony, all the troubles, trials, and tribulations in this world This is the reason. You know, it doesn't take too long for us to realize that there's something off about the world. There's something not quite right. I mean, we do enjoy the things in this life. There's lots to be thankful for, especially in Canada, in this country that we live in. I mean, we have so much to be thankful for, but... There's a lot of things that happen in this world that is just, it makes us wonder, 
Why does that happen? And even in our lives here in Canada, we, we, we face different trials and, and it's different for different individuals, the different things that happen in our lives and we question, what's going on? What is this all about? It's a part of this human condition. There's something wrong. Yet, within the hearts of people, there is a hope for something better. There is a glimmer of hope for how things could be if there was no sin, death, and evil. And as humans, we seek existence without sin, death, and evil. We do everything to try to find how we can make our lives better, how we can you know, live in this blissful union. Well, for the people of God, that hope is called the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, the rule of God on the earth where there is no more sin, no more evil, no more death and destruction. This was the Jewish hope. King David mentions this hope in Psalm 145. I'm going to read from verse 9 where it says, The Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of men your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The kingdom of God is the Jewish hope for the age to come. So when Jesus came with the message, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent for the kingdom of God is near, he preached the gospel of the kingdom, it was definitely, definitely good news. Good news. But then Jesus died. He was crucified on the cross, buried, He died. And in Jesus' day, this would have signaled to many people that he was actually not the Messiah, that his mission failed, that the kingdom had not come. The Romans were still in power, and so this can't be. What Jesus said wasn't right. Now, for us listening to this now, we know that Jesus had to die This was the redemptive plan of God. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And and Jesus, the sinless one, the one who knew no sin, became sin. So that we might become the righteousness of God. We understand this now. But for those... um, And we understand what it says like in Romans 5.18. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification in life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Thanks be to God for Christ Jesus our Lord. He died for our sins so that we can become the righteousness of God, so that we can be called the children of God for those who believe in Jesus. We know that today. But you see, at the moment of the crucifixion, the arrest and crucifixion of Jesus, the disciples didn't understand what was going on. In fact, they ran off. Peter denied Jesus three times. They didn't know what to do. They didn't understand what was happening. 
That is until Jesus did something that completely changed everything. He rose from the dead. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He came back from the grave. The curse of, that entered the human condition in Genesis 3, Jesus overcame this curse. And he came proclaiming the kingdom again, talking to the disciples about the kingdom again. In fact, we read about this in Acts chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, let's go there. Acts chapter 1. Fascinating account. Man, I love the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1. Okay? So I'm going to start reading, let's say, verse 3. This is what it says. He presented himself, Jesus presented himself alive. Hallelujah. He presented himself alive to them after suffering many, uh, by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. God. Everyone say the kingdom of God. This was very dear to our Lord and Savior's heart. He was speaking about the kingdom of God. Where am I? There I am. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Isn't that a cool question? An interesting question. Jesus, is the kingdom coming? Is it here now? Are we going to rule and reign with you? Are the Romans going to be done? Sin, evil, death, is it going to be over? Is it? Is it? You could just almost hear the excitement in that question, right? Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When the disciples asked, are you restoring the kingdom? Jesus says, it's not for you to know that time. In other words, the kingdom had not come fully. But, there's a big but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The rule and reign of God, where sin, death, and evil are done away with, has not yet come. But the Holy Spirit did come. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 says this, in him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee, everyone say guarantee, of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. I looked up the word guarantee in Greek. 
It is the word Araban. Let me hear you say Araban. Okay, Araban. You know what that means? You know what that word means? Araban? It means down payment. Down payment. Suppose you want to buy a house. Okay? You're looking for a house. You find one. It's nice. Four bedroom. Yeah, three bedroom, four bedroom. Ensuite, whatever, okay? Nice house. You want it. It's right price, right location. It's beautiful. Husband and wife, amen, they're on board. Let's buy it, okay? And so you're, you're all excited. And it's like, let's go. Let's go to the bank. And you talk about the financial side of things, get a mortgage and all the other legal stuff and so on, right? And then they ask, well, you need a down payment, an araban, okay? And, and usually, you know, somewhere between 5 and 10% you need to pay, right? And once you have that, you pay that, get the mortgage, you can move in to that house. And then you can... Do whatever. It's your house. It's my house. I could paint. I could redo the floors. I'll pick avocado and orange in my living room. You know, Allie would have a heyday right now. She's like, what are you talking about? No way. Well, I can have my house in my head. Okay, so that's what it's going to be. Nice 70s retro. Anyways, I'll never have that. But anyway, you know, whatever. You could do whatever. It's your house, right? But it's not fully your house until that mortgage is paid off. So it is your house, and yet at the same time, it's not yet your house. You're living in this tension in that house. That is what the kingdom of God is like. We have received a portion of it the down payment of it, the, the 10%, we receive that through the Holy Spirit. And we can live within the light of the kingdom now through the power of the Holy Spirit living in us, changing us, molding us, shaping us into the likeness of Jesus. And it propels us forward until the coming of the fullness of the kingdom. That is why Jesus told us in the Lord's Prayer to pray, let your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It hasn't yet fully come, but we have a portion of it now inside us and we continue to seek for the fullness of it. Now here's the thing about the power of the Holy Spirit in us. It completely radically changes our lives when we receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus talks about this in his parables in Matthew 13. The kingdom of God is like a pearl of great price that a merchant has been searching for. When he finds it, he sells everything to obtain that pearl. The kingdom of God 
is like that. It's like a treasure hidden in a field. When a person finds it and discovers it, he sells everything he has so that he can buy that field and obtain the treasure. That is what the kingdom of God is like. It is everything our souls have been yearning for our entire existence. It is what humanity is seeking for. A world where there is no sin, death, and evil. A world where there is goodness, righteousness, peace, and joy. You know, Paul talks about this in Romans 14. The the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's everything. And guess what? It's inside us. It's in here. It's in here as we gather together. 1 Corinthians 3, 16. Don't you know that you are the temple of God and God's spirit dwells within you? That's all of you. The word you is all y'all. All of us together are God's temple and God's spirit dwells within us. When we come together, the kingdom is here. Church. Revelation 21, verse 3 to 4 says this, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. This is the kingdom of God. This is what we are called to seek first. Jesus tells us, seek first the kingdom and all its righteousness. We're called to seek the kingdom with all our hearts. When we do, that kingdom seed in us comes alive and it changes us. Let me say it this way. Have you ever lost your keys? So and it's like 10 minutes to church, right? You lost your keys. You got to get to church. It's 10 minutes. You're like, frantically, where are my keys? Where are my keys? You look everywhere. There's nothing else on your mind. Just the keys. I got to get my keys. I got to get my keys. Where did I put it? Where, right? Everything. Your whole mind is consumed with finding your keys. That is how we are called to seek the kingdom, where our focus is Christ and his kingdom. When we do that, church, you see, and it's different for different people. Certain things we need to put to the side, the different pursuits in our life, we put it to the side. Not that those things are unimportant. Like getting a house and a car, these things are good things. They're not bad things. But if they're our primary focus in life, we need to learn to set those aside and seek the kingdom, seek God and his presence. When we do that, it changes us moment by moment. And when it changes us, it'll change the world around us because it's the hope of the world. It is what everyone else is looking for. When we fully grasp the understanding of the kingdom of God in our church, in the body of Christ, 
And as we pursue the kingdom together, it will change the world around us. We will see revival. We will see the lost coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We will see it. I know it. I believe it with every fiber of my being. So church, let us fix our eyes on seeking the kingdom. When we do, when we pursue the kingdom, chase after the kingdom, the kingdom will catch us. And we'll realize that the kingdom, that God was actually pursuing us all along. Let's pray. Father, we long to see your dwelling among us. That you would be God and we will be your people. That you wipe away every tear from our eyes. Death death shall be no more. Mourning shall be no more. No crying or pain. The former things will have passed away. We long to see that day come. And Father, we long to see a glimpse of that happen today through the power of your spirit that is within us to see blind eyes open, the deaf hearing, the sick being made well, for those who don't know you to come to know you and discover the awesomeness of our God. We want to see your kingdom. We want to see it in greater measure, Lord. So, Father, we ask that you would make us aware of the pursuits that get in the way of the kingdom of God in our lives. Show us what they are. Help us, Lord, to put them aside. Not make them number one, maybe number two or three. Help us to do that, Father, as a church, as a body, and as individuals who make up the body. We ask that you would do this in our lives, God that you would be our number one obsession, that you would be our number one pursuit and that we would discover you and find that you've been pursuing us all along. We love you, God. May your love continue to be poured out. We thank you for the testimony uh, that Gwen shared that she is beginning to discover more of your love. That is going to be a lifelong journey for all of us, God. Because the height, depth, Breadth and width of the love of God is so huge. But we ask that you would help us to see a little more today and tomorrow and the next day until you come back. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Bless you. Have a wonderful week.